Welcome to Ride With Us. Ride With Us. Presented by the American Coaster Enthusiasts, a group of super fans with a mission to appreciate, promote, and preserve roller coasters around the globe. Around the globe. It's time to keep your hands and feet inside the podcast at all times. Here's your hosts, Clint Novak and Chris Roberry. The co-host extraordinaire. That's Absolutely. Me. Yes, most definitely. Well, Chris, are you ready for a spooktacular show? I am absolutely ready for it. What are we talking about today? Uh, well, we're going to be talking about the spooky season, some of the haunts that we've uh, seen and uh, have experienced. We'll also be sitting down with Jeffrey Siebert, who is the park president of Six Flags Fiesta Texas, to talk about his new roller coaster coming in next season, as well as some of the other plans that he has in store for us. Uh, yeah, all that teasing they did this year. I love it. Uh, we also uh, are going to be talking about IAPA. That's coming up next month, and we're going to be giving you a little preview uh, uh, on uh, the IAPA Expo. But first, as always, it's time for the ACE Event Rundown. The temperatures might be dropping, but the number of ACE events keeps on climbing. Join ACE Mid-Atlantic for an informal meetup at Busch Gardens Williamsburg on Saturday, November 6th. No set schedule here, just hang out with your fellow ACE members while enjoying the thrills of the old country. On Saturday, November 13th, you'll have to make a Sophie's Choice between two wonderful events, Coaster Christmas at Silver Dollar City or Smoky Mountain Coaster Fest at Dollywood tough choice. Heading to the IAPA convention in Orlando next month? Join Ace for our annual meet and greet at BJ's Restaurant and Brew House on iDrive the evening of Wednesday, November 17th. And if you're staying in Orlando all week, why not check out Merry Mako Holiday Celebration at SeaWorld Orlando on Saturday, November 20th. Or you could head to the Lone Star Estate for Ace Day at SeaWorld San Antonio also on Saturday, November 20th. Either way, you're going to have a spectacular day. For a complete listing of all upcoming events, visit aceonline.org events. My favorite time of year is now here, and that is uh, the Halloween haunt or the hollow scream or Halloween Horror Nights. That Halloween, uh, I love all of these Halloween events. I, I love the small little private Halloween uh, haunted houses that go on in the cornfields of Virginia all the way up to uh, Halloween Horror Nights down in Florida. And uh, I travel all around because I want to do as many of them as I can in the month of October. And this year I have not done very many. In fact, I think I've just done King's Dominion and Universal Studios. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, perfectly adequate ones to satisfy your Halloween craving. I'm definitely with you there. I'm not a terribly huge fan of haunted houses, but for some reason, the combination of the rides at night, the bigger crowds at the parks, I don't know, there's something special about it. And obviously, they keep getting more and more popular every year. Yeah, and uh, this year, I think everybody was just cooped up and all that stuff, you know, from... Uh 
all the COVID blues that we've been having over the last couple of years, and it just seems like uh, these parks are in full force. So I, I went to King's Dominion to enjoy their Halloween haunt, and uh, really, the crowds on Saturdays are nuts. I mean, they're just absolutely crazy. Uh, I think uh, uh, the second uh, Saturday of haunt was like the busiest I've ever seen the park in the last like five years. It was just absolutely insane. Fridays, uh, a perfect day to go. Sundays, great day to go. Uh, you're not going to have big crowds. You'll be able to do all the haunted houses, uh, enjoy the food, all of the uh, fun stuff going on. And King's Dominion, uh, they've downscaled the event a little bit, because, and I'm just predicting, I'm just guessing here, but I know they had big plans going into 2000, and so they were removing some houses and scare zones, and then they're going to build new ones, and I don't think those uh, ever uh, came to be as of yet. Uh, so they still have some empty, like an empty building uh, that they used to have a haunted house in Zombie High, and uh, they have fewer scare zones than they normally would, but uh, really am enjoying all of the new stuff that they got going on. Uh, the Pumpkin Eater's Maze, uh, you know, Blood on the Bayou, uh, their new scare zone, uh, which is uh, Uprising. It's like a zombie scare zone. Really like that. And then, of course, their new uh, haunted attraction walkthrough. It's not really a house because it's outdoors. They've used the old Dinosaurs Alive area to make grim woods. Uh, so all those grim fairy tales that you uh, like, like Little Red Riding Hood or Hansel and Gretel. Uh, you get to walk through the woods uh, and experience those uh, firsthand out there. And so uh, really, really cool. Uh, I also have to say, because Chef Fancy Pants may be listening uh, from uh, King's Dominion, Chef Dennis uh, is doing an amazing job with the uh, uh, with the the food choices that he has for the haunt season, and I know he's gearing up for a great uh, Winterfest event as well. Uh, so you can check out like their uh, their uh, apple uh, apple spiced uh, uh, pumpkin uh, no not pumpkin apple spice uh, funnel cake their apple uh, apple cider donut nuts, apple cider, uh, you know, a lot of fall stuff mixed into their menu. And uh, uh, he's really excited about that. And uh, I had the apple cider donuts the other day. Oh, so good. <laughs> uh, careful, we made to, uh, you know, clean that drool up from the board before it shocks you. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really cool. Uh, I also had a chance to go down to Universal Studios uh, this uh, past week and do. Yeah, I saw. Uh, so jealous. Yeah, I, it was a it was a crazy trip. And w one thing that I've learned on this trip is uh, forty is not the new twenty. Because uh, oh really? I, I, yeah, I can't I can't keep up with twenty year old Clint anymore. That's for sure. Uh, you know, I planned a trip where I was like, okay, we're going to uh, Halloween Horror Nights like on a Wednesday night. So we flew in Tuesday morning, did Sea World, uh, did Top Golf with the coaster enthusiasts down there. Uh, we did the Star Flyer at night. Um, we had some dinner. Uh, went to Fun Spot, and so we got to bed at like uh, you know midnight. And then we had to be up at uh, we had to be at Universal Studios at 9 a.m. Now that isn't even when they opened. They opened at 8 a.m. But we got to Islands of Adventure at 9 a.m. because we wanted to do Velocicoaster, Hagrid's, uh, which I was able to get on both of those. Very happy. Oh, Velocicoaster? Oh my oh, yeah. god. Oh my god. It was <laughs> such a rush. It was it was so amazing. I uh, had a chance to ride it twice, did Hagrid's twice, uh, did some other stuff, and uh, we stayed from 9 a.m. to 2 a.m., 17 hours oh my of amusement park goodness. 
uh, halfway through the day, there's a lot of shows going on, so it's just a lot of sitting in air conditioning and passing out. But uh, uh, <laughs> anyway, <it laughs> well, was, yeah, yeah, it, it, we needed that little nap in there. But uh, yeah, it was it was crazy, and uh, thirty seven thousand steps uh, I took that day. Uh, it was I, I just I, my body cannot handle that. So uh, I won't be planning any more 17-hour days at the amusement park, that's for sure. <laughs> I always, You know when uh, Disney did their, uh, their bonus day and it was a 24-hour, you know, you could stay in the park for 24 hours at the Magic Kingdom? I wanted to do that so bad. And now that doesn't sound like a very good idea. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's like, oh, trapped in a theme park. This sounds incredible. And then, well, maybe not so much. You know, after about 10 or 12 hours, you realize, boy, I'm doing a lot of standing. Yeah, yeah. So I, but I, you know, I really like Universal Studios event. Uh, that you know, the they, the detail in their haunted houses is amazing. Their oh, yeah. show that they have this, like I forget what it was called. It was fueled something fueled. The show is amazing. It's not like Bill and Ted. It's not a comedy. It's it's very dramatic with like techno music and fire and all this stuff. Uh, really really cool show. A lot of magic in there as well. That was pretty cool. Um, but uh, the the thing you know. I actually prefer going to like a Cedar Fair or King's Dominion uh, when it comes to Haunt than I do Universal Studios. Really? And it's because, okay, they uh, like King's Dominion tries really hard to make it an immersive experience the whole time you're at the park. Where at Universal Studios, it's only immersive when you're inside the house. So it's like you're backstage, you're walking through Barney's great adventure theater you know you're doing all this stuff to get to the house and it really is just throwing off the senses and then they just like paint the side of the building like Beetlejuice and then you walk in and it's highly themed like you know King's Dominion you're walking through big elaborate facades that they built to make make the house that you're going in the experience uh, they make it so it starts outside of the house um, and so, uh, you know, obviously, you know, King's Dominion, they don't have the same crowds that Universal has. And they have, you know, they have to deal with um, thousands of people standing in one line at one time. So their queue right. lines are, are super long and, you know, all of these things that they have to play into it. Um, but I just I, I feel like it, it, it kind of, uh, uh, you know, it's not as immersive as a, a local haunt is because they get to do, you know, all the stuff of the Midway. Uh, plus the stuff, you know, inside and outside the houses. But the detail inside those universal houses and the fact that they do all of them uh, new every year is just phenomenal. Love the Beetlejuice house. House on Haunted Hill was pretty good. Uh, I, my favorite one was the pumpkin one. I don't even know what it's called. The, I'm calling it the pumpkin one. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure the park will be so happy to see yes. that it left such an impression on you. It, it, it left such an impression. Uh, I'm going to say undergrowth. Uh, I don't know. I, I have no clue what the name of the house was, but there was a lot of pumpkins, and I think that was my favorite one. I also give a shout-out to Universal on the other coast, the West Coast, because they, at that event, that's where you get to start walking around the back lot. So normally you're just actually on the tram and the tram drives you around. And it's really a, it's a very unique attraction. You're going through all the old sets. But during Halloween Horror Nights in Universal Florida or uh, uh, Hollywood, that is, you're actually walking around the Bates Motel. You know, you're getting chased by Norman Bates, which if you've never had that happen before, it's a little terrifying. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Uh, and also, just a big shout out to uh, my local haunt out here, uh, Six Flags Over Texas. One of the most unique things they've done is they've taken their crooked house, Casa Magnetica, 
and they've changed the storyline. So instead of just being about this explorer who found this weird spot that strange things happen on, now it's all about Dia de los Muertos. It's a really cool, very unique way to reuse and repurpose an attraction specifically for an event. And I'm wondering and hoping maybe if they'll do it also for their uh, upcoming holiday in the park event as well. So that's going to be really fun to check out if you get an opportunity as well. Very cool. So speaking of uh, local areas uh, down in Texas there, you have Jeff Siebert over at uh, Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. They are building a new roller coaster, and uh, you had a chance to sit down and chat with them about that uh, that coaster, huh? Yeah, we had an opportunity to sit down with Jeffrey, who's been a really big Ace fan uh, for pretty much his entire career and has been very kind and very helpful to the entire organization uh, whenever they were looking to do events, etc., starting at Kings Island then Schlittervon, and now here at Fiesta, Texas. And fresh off his uh, Golden Ticket Award wins, he sat down with us to talk about not only the new coaster, but also why theme is so important to him and maybe some additional plans coming down the pipeline. Check it out. Well, there are a lot of interesting characters in the attractions industry, but I think one really stands out above the rest, and that would be the man who is Sitting on the other side of my screen right now, Jeffrey Siebert, Park President of Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. Jeffrey, how's it going? Fantastic, my friend. Always great to talk with you and talk with our fans as always. Certainly. A lot of people know you from your work at Fiesta, Texas, but you've had a pretty storied career in the attractions industry. Do you mind kind of doing a sort of Cliff Notes version of how you got here? (laughs) Absolutely, my friend. Uh, Like, Many folks and many folks listening, I am an enthusiast at heart. I've known my entire life that I've wanted to go into amusement parks and theme parks and somewhat uh, tailored and catered my education to try to get in the business side of doing the crazy stuff that we do every single day. So uh, after graduation, or I should say, while I was still in college, I worked for a small family owned and operated amusement park in Ohio called Americana Amusement Park. Um, I grew up with Geauga Lake and SeaWorld and Cedar Point my, were my hometown parks. So I knew I wanted to get into it as, as quick as I could. So uh, I began working at Americana in 1994 was my first year in the amusement park industry. While I was there, I was actually recruited by the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks, which was part of Anaheim Sports owned by the Disney Corporation because they were looking for folks that had more theme park and amusement park experience, entertainment experience than on the actual hockey or sports side. When I was there, then I was recruited by Kings Island, which was a lot of fun. Had uh, many, many great years at Paramount's Kings Island, even better stories and even better friends. But when I was there, I met Sherry Brammel, who is the communications director for Schlitterbahn Water Parks, and Schlitterbahn was getting ready to expand, and they recruited me and got me and convinced me to come on over to the great state of Texas. So that's what brought me to Texas. I was the corporate director of marketing for Schlitterbahn uh, for quite a few years before being recruited by some of my old Paramount Parks friends that had now worked for Six Flags back in 2012. And so I was recruited to come on over to Six Flags Fiesta, Texas, originally as the marketing director. And then since 2016, uh, really honored to be the park president. It's been really fun to, to see someone like yourself, a fellow enthusiast, go from being just your regular park employee up to a management level and then up to the point that you're the park president and you're making all those decisions that really affect the park in such a positive way. Well, thank you. That is that is very kind. There's no doubt that my entire career has been based on listening to our guests, guest feedback, guest research, 
and really trying to deliver in really fun ways what our guests are asking of us. You know, that's really fun and really satisfying to see what our guests want to need and, and help bring that to life. Certainly. And you've most definitely done that at every park that you've been at, whether it be somehow sneaking your name into the uh, concept art at Kings Island for, at the time, the Italian job, the Seabird Shipping Company. That was always fun. Uh, <laughs> you to, can thank our good friend Keith McVean on that one. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Put it on the container. Uh, also up to really getting SchlitterCon on the map uh, when you were out there and then coming to Fiesta, Texas and really blowing the lid off the place. Honestly, I think a lot of folks knew about the park, but really weren't planning on making it a destination. And it feels like in the past couple of years, it really has sort of come of its own and shifted into this new model that people are excited, genuinely excited to find out what's happening at that park and when. Well, again, you are, you are very kind in saying those things. The, the greatest satisfaction is just really seeing our guests' smiles and response to exactly what you said, Chris. No doubt the park is 30 years young next year. The wind is in the sails and truly the most exciting, most thrilling, and most fun years are yet to come. And it's great to be a part of that story. And you know, when Jeffrey says it, it has to be true. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. What is probably the biggest myth that you've heard from being a park president? I know there's a lot of them out there that I assume most people here have played Roller Coaster Tycoon and they just figure that you just keep getting delete everywhere and then stuff just magically changes in the park, just like, you know, like that. But what are some of the, the myths that you would want to dispel from folks who are sort of looking at you and being a sort of an aspirational goal? Well, I think one of the, the myths on the park standpoint or Urban Legends is that we actually have a 200 foot maximum cap on the attractions that we can build. To date, we have not built anything taller than 200 feet, but in many ways, if you're familiar with where the park situates uh, or situated, we're basically in a, a glorified, what I'll call as a homeowner's association. So when the park was originally built, we agreed that we would not go above 200 feet without asking our homeowners association. We've never requested that to date, um, but again, with construction and everything that's grown around here, there's really no hard fast that we couldn't go above 200 feet is one aspect. And the second one is, are you landlocked? Are you out of room? And I can confidently say we are not. There is plenty of room to build big and exciting and thrilling toys for generations to come. So those are two of the things I get asked the most uh, being park president for Fiesta Texas is with cliffhanger coming in. Are you now locked out? Is there uh, no other place to put big stuff. And I can assure you there is plenty of room for the craziest and wildest ideas yet to come. I don't know. Can you hear that, Jeffrey? That's the sound of a thousand keyboards going crazy, <laughs> saying that Jeffrey Siebert has just confirmed the first strata coaster for Texas, apparently. Exactly. That's exactly what I said. Oh, man, it's just it's a deafening noise. I don't know if you can hear it. It's crazy. I cannot but yet. I'll have to, I'll have to actually listen, re-listen to the podcast to see if I get here the second time around. Yes, definitely. So <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the history of your park, Fiesta, Texas. It's actually one of the youngest in the Six Flags chain. It wasn't originally built by Six Flags, but it has a very unique history to it, doesn't it? It does. It, it's actually one of the newer theme parks for any company in the entire country, being the fact that we're 29 years young next year in 2022, celebrating our 30th anniversary. But it was originally built by USAA, which is a large national-wide insurance uh, provider. 
that really services our military that's located and based right here in San Antonio and has a lot of dealings in real estate. And they partnered with Gaylord, which at the time was building and developing and managing theme parks, uh, most notably Opryland in, in Tennessee. Um, so they did build the park. They really built the park as a show park and show venue and very light on rides and attractions. Fortunately, they did build a few signature staple attractions that we still have today, including the original foundations for the Rattler, which at the time was the world's tallest wooden roller coaster when it opened with park opening, uh, along with our train ride and gully washer. But they really did not install a lot of attractions. They were really uh, believed that it could be a great show destination. And in fact, even like an Opryland of the West in, in many ways and had the Grand Old Opry in our Zaragoza theater. So we were built with beautiful, beautiful infrastructure, but really the DNA that they had built upon, which was creating a profitable model based on just shows and just show content really did not resonate to the level that it needed to, to support the investment of the park. So very quickly, uh, USAA and Gaylord, primarily USAA, who was the owner of the park, did look for opportunities to exit their investment. And that's when Six Flags did come into the picture and very quickly saw the potential of the park, made the acquisition and purchased and, and we own and operate the park outright and has been a great story ever since. And the big turning point was in 1999 when the company saw the potential of what really Fiesta Texas could become and added 20 signature new rides and attractions in one year, including two coasters that year, which one was our, our beloved poltergeist that just is completing a magnificent retheme and reimagining and restorytelling, and also our boomerang coaster, which continues to be the most ridden boomerang in the entire Six Flags system, which also just received a big transformative makeover uh, last year as part of a big phase one renovation of that ride because it is so well loved and very well positioned at our entrance. And then immediately following that, the company continued to reinvest and put in Superman Krypton Coaster in the year 2000, which really helped build the, the park's arsenal. And then, as you know, the Six Flags story is a little bit bumpy from there until really recent emergence after bankruptcy, where the company really did refocus on guest experience, rides and attractions. And now under our current leadership, led by our, our newer CEO, Mr. Mike Spanos, really focusing even more so on guest amenities, guest throughput, fast speed of service, safety, you name it. Really those outstanding theme park fundamentals are being embraced and really coming to life like never before at not only Fiesta Texas, but really throughout the Six Flags uh, system. It's really a great time to see the parks come to life again. It certainly does. And I just wanna point something out that, you know, when you get in a conversation with Jeffrey, he is just a marketing machine, 24 seven, 365. I don't know if he picked up on that, but he knew that his boomerang was the most ridden in the entire chain. The man is a genius, what can I say? Well, it's more that I'm an enthusiast and the enthusiast in me loves to know all the crazy stats, just like all my counterparts and all my fellow enthusiasts that are out there, um, which just that I have the lucky advantage of taking that passion and all the enthusiasm that we see amongst our ACE family and enthusiast friends every day, but just what is the story it's telling and how do we make great business decisions based on that data to move the park forward. And it's really fun just seeing it all come to life and most importantly, getting to experience it as well. Definitely. There's been a pretty significant shift in the, the past year or so, I think at all the parks and we're seeing a lot of great improvements across the entire chain. It's really an exciting time to watch the parks and be a fan of these parks as well. Absolutely. When it comes to painting, aesthetics, scrubbing, higher capacity, friendly staff, 
all those great theme park 101 essentials, it's great to really see them embraced and taken to a whole different level of creating a really fun, memorable, and more importantly, hopefully an experience that all of our guests want to come and do over and over and over again, as we're constantly offering something new and innovative every year part around every season, every year part. And uh, again, even bigger ways with big new thrilling rides and attractions like we're debuting for our 30th anniversary next year. You had mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago about Poltergeist. Can you go in a little bit of detail as to what exactly you did to the attraction and what was the impetus for in reinvesting in an attraction you already had? Every really great ride begins with a story. And Poltergeist always had that DNA since it opened in 1999, but thematically, it really did not live up to all of its potential and what it could become. It's a great ride. The physical conveyance device is very solid, built and designed by Premier Rides. Our guests love it, but we had a golden opportunity to really help reimagine the ride, refocus on the story, and now make the whole experience really tell the story of the Poltergeist. And that's really what it began with. What is the story we're trying to tell? And with a name like Poltergeist, I think just in your mind, you expect certain things. I know I did my first visit as a guest. I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be great. I'm looking at the park map. You saw you had, a, there was a haunted house. Well, did, little did anyone know that that was really it. You saw the front of a haunted house. You went inside and there was, there was really nothing. And it's like, wow, what potential it could have. Mm-hmm. So here we are 20 years later doing that, reimagining the story. Not only does the ride look really visually different and visually stunning with its new ghostly green and and midnight gray column tracks and supports, but it gave us the opportunity to redo all the ride padding, the restraints, and make the conveyance device feel brand new again, but also really up the game when it comes to story, audio system, effects, richness in detail from the outside of the queue where you now wait and you're walking through an outdoor cemetery with Uh, mausoleums and hedge mazes and a whole bunch of other effects that are down there, including a haunted car before working your way up into the house, which is now enclosed with air conditioning. And you, you walk into haunted rooms and have haunted scenes. And now the station itself is much richer because you're waiting in the haunted study, if you will. And of course the ride vehicle itself is the poltergeist that you actually, it captures your soul and takes you on this wild ride. Fortunately for you, it returns you back and hopefully you want to do it over and over again, but a much more immersive, compelling storytelling experience than what it was before. And it's great to, again, see that come to life and to see the guest response. The ridership has gone up dramatically since we did the renovation and the line is completely full again, as if it was a brand new ride, which not only is great for Poltergeist, but as you know, if there's more people waiting to ride Poltergeist, it means our other lines are shorter in turn. So it just really works and has become a win-win-win in all facets. And believe it or not, we're still adding some additional effects and additional enhancements that hopefully will be done by mid-October. And Poltergeist is not the only attraction that you have reinvested in in recently. Uh, Obviously, I'm a little bit involved in this as well, but it looks like Rattler is going to be getting a third train coming uh, starting late next year. That is correct. We did order from Gerslauer, the train manufacturer, a third unit, which will help us just keep two trains in operation all the time to keep maximum capacity. When we do our annual rehab, sadly, we do need to take those trains out of circulation and being a year-round park. It is it is not fun watching the Iron Rattler, which has significant guest demand. Our guests love it. I love it. We love it. 
um, it, it's somewhat painful to watch it go down to a single train operation. So having a third train will help keep that two train operation at max capacity year round. But we have, we've enhanced our bugs, Whitewater Rapids experience. We've been, we've spent time and energy retheming and opening up more of the queue section for our Roadrunner Express. We recently have redone our, our dark ride, which is a pirate themed ride along with, we opened a fun Joker's Fun House. And then this year also opening up Daredevil Dive, again, offering a more story driven thematic queue experience as part of that. So just in the past several years, we've now layered in five or six different thematical experiences uh, that really begin to tell the story and really embrace the the term theme as part of the theme park experience. It really is wonderful to see, and certainly the folks down in San Antonio will appreciate a lot of the air conditioned cues. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely, we cannot add air conditioning and fans fast enough. So even Poltergeist, for example, that did not have AC or fans for the first 20 years. Now the entire outdoor queue is loaded with fans and the entire indoor section is air conditioning. Same with Daredevil Dive. It has its own version of air conditioning and fans along with all the other attractions that we've been added, just trying to keep our guests comfortable on those hot Texas summer days. Which as we know are, yes, very hot. <laughs> still And still going, you know, yes. still going on. So. We're hoping it breaks here pretty soon. So and we haven't even begun to talk about, uh, for example, you have the first RMC Raptor, you have the first 4D free spin. You've got a lot of innovation going on in that park at the same time that you're reinvesting in the guest experience. It really is quite a sight to behold, to be quite honest. Well, it's a great cadence to be in. There, there's no doubt seeing the benefit and the payback of adding signature new rides and attractions, being very strategic with what our guests want and pushing the DNA when it comes to thrills. Again, when you think of Six Flags, you think thrills, 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 and, and that is just part of our DNA. And it's great to continue with the innovation um, of the past and take those best practices and all that we've learned and work towards the future and how to make it even better, more exciting, more thrilling, and more fun. So let's talk about 2022. I think with the exception of seeing Defiance be announced at Glenwood Caverns, I think you took pretty much everybody by surprise that you're dropping a B&M dive machine into your park, Dr. Diabolical's Cliffhanger. Tell us a little bit about the idea, the concept, how did it come about, and a little bit about the ride itself that will get folks excited to come out to Fiesta. Not that they weren't already. <laughs> well, there, there's no doubt that we love to surprise our fans, our guests, and our industry. And I really do believe in many ways we accomplished that with the announcement of Dr. Diabolical's cliffhanger and all that it really is. But like I shared before with Poltergeist, it all begins with a great story. And in this case, we wanted to really create an immersive experience, unlike our other attractions that we currently have in the park, and make it just visually stunning and a new epic signature adventure that really will help continue to disseminate the park experience from other parks or opportunities or options that our guests have to enjoy um, different theme parks and attractions. So when we began this journey back in 2019, it really was to do something that was was different, would feel different and just visually stunning. And you know, when it comes to a dive coaster, there are none around us. I wanna say the closest dive coaster to us is more than 1,600 miles away. And- You did the measurement yourself. That, that is correct. I, I literally <laughs> got in the car and just drove door to yes. door. Uh, but our guests, 99.9% .9 of our guests, except for our fellow enthusiasts have never seen anything like this. 
the width of the train, the way that the ride looks, the cliffhanger hold, the fact that we're holding you as you begin your descent down that first drop. These are all innovations that our guests have never seen. So from a ride that just looks so visually different and stunning, no doubt the ride delivers, plus the quality of the experience. I mean, there's, there's as you know, B&M is synonymous with, with quality and, and ride experience. And we really wanted to take what is known and loved about the dive coaster, those best attributes, but also really dial up the rest of the experience. We worked with Sophie and Alberto and Kim and the entire B&M team to really reimagine and modify the rest of the ride experience to really offer more of the thrill as part of the experience to make it in, in the DNA versus larger kind of sweeping elements. We did juice up the intensity and the excitement and the thrill of the ride. So every aspect that you see on our rendering was reimagined to what can we do here to make it the most dynamic and exciting for our guests? And how do we, how do we rework this transition? And what are the right features? And from that, then we asked our guests, we put it all into research. So the name Dr. Diabolical's Cliffhanger by far was the number one name researched by our guests and the colors of the ride. You, I mean, you name it, there's so much research that went into it to make sure that the decisions we're making really are what our guests want. And uh, that really helped lead us to create a really cool conveyance device. But the fun aspect and what takes it to the whole next level, not only is it gonna be the most thrilling dive coaster on planet earth, but it will also be an immersive experience that you truly are in the middle of from the time you enter the, the line and the wait, you are truly immersed in the experience. And um, as you work your way through the queue to the actual ride, you're constantly engulfed in what Dr. Diabolical's heinous plans are for you. And it's unique in that this is Dr. Diabolical is not a man, is it? She is not. She is, she is a well-funded, very wealthy, very well-educated, evil scientist, to say the least. But she has learned throughout her evilness that it's always best to use honey to attract unsuspecting guests, if you will, than to try to lure them in with her evilness from the initial foundation. So, for example, what's going to lure you over, as you know, or you may not know, but our, our our Western area has been transformed into a scream punk, steampunk looking themed area. And we added Iron Rattler, which has that type of feel. We've added Daredevil Dive, which has that and all of our signage and other experiences really helped pay off this steampunk type of feel. And Dr. Diabolical's theme continues that. But her premise and her ask is that she has created the Fountain of Youth and is now giving samples and tours of her facility so you too can turn back the clock of time and look younger and more energy and how exciting. So that is the premise while you're waiting in line. That's why all of us human beings are waiting to see what she has in store because she is promising the Fountain of Youth and this magic elixir that's just going to work great and fantastic. But very quickly you learn those are not her intentions. Her intentions are actually to capture your fear, your adrenaline to use to create and offer, to create her creations and to give her monstrosities life to really continue to go out and torment all of us and get more fear and more adrenaline so she can build more creatures. I mean, it's, it's Disney-esque storytelling and I'm all for it uh, on a B&M dive. That is incredible. And just to go back on, on something, you were talking about how no detail is, is overlooked. Do you mind telling me a little bit about those uh, little pieces of steel? Well, not quite little, but those pieces of steel that you're sitting on your desk? Obviously, we can't see them, <laughs> but um, can we give yes, a quick tap? You can, you can hear them. 
you can hear them clanking <coughs> for sure. As part of the approval process, uh, there were actual steel color samples that were submitted for the ride to make sure that we chose the right colors. If you look at the rendering, you'll notice that there's three primarily colors that we use. It's a gold, a red, and a gray color. The gold, which is the main steel supports, is actually a light gold color that our team will patina in place. So if you zoom in on the renderings, you'll notice there's actually a textured treatment that makes them look aged and older. And so when the, the columns arrive, they will just be a solid gold. We did uh, select a metallic color, so it will actually sparkle in the sunlight. And the combination of those colors in the area will look just visually stunning. Well, I know I'm certainly looking forward to watching this thing rise. I would be remiss, though, if I didn't get a chance, because a lot of Acers were asking this question. It's called Cliffhanger, but it doesn't actually use the cliff. But there's a very good reason for that, isn't there? Well, there's there's nine million and seven reasons why we chose to have a cliffhanger not dive off the quarry wall. One of the reasons is we have three rides currently that do interact with the quarry wall. Our Roadrunner Express, which is our mine train. The Epic Iron Rattler, which rides on top of the quarry wall, dives over three different times, actually goes through the quarry wall through a tunnel. And our Superman Krypton Coaster also interacts with the quarry wall. Our train ride does. So we have a variety of rides and experiences that already do that. So some of the reasons that we chose not to in this facet, one, we wanted to have a ride that was much more intimate. If you know those rides that I just mentioned, you know they're really pushed back off the midway. And as a guest, there's not a lot of opportunity for guest interaction with the ride experience or the coaster experience itself. So by placing this where we did, you are now actually immersed within the structure. So while you're waiting in the outdoor section of the queue, which is shaded and fanned and has storytelling, you are between the two signature drops of the ride. So you're going to be right in the middle of the ride, watching it circle around you all the time, which there's no other coaster in the park that does that. So it's going to be much more immersive. The second aspect is the, the plot of land that's required to pay off this attraction. As we've been installing rides, we're really looking at what is the maximum ride we could put in this space. So we're not leaving empty room or empty space when we're doing construction. So this ride takes the entire available footprint for it, where there's other places we could have put it along the quarry wall, but it would have occupied a much larger space and blocked potential bigger projects in the future, which we don't want to do that either. We don't want to put a ride where it has plenty of extra room, but then we're blocking ourselves from it. The other aspect is anytime we go on top of the quarry wall, it does add some additional expense that becomes a trade-off. So it becomes, do you want to put it, would you rather have a shorter ride, but put it on top of the quarry wall? Or would you rather have a longer, more ambitious ride and put it in a place that the actual building costs are more manageable? So it, those are some of the decisions that we made, plus the fact that it does have the cliffhanger hold that you will be standing right next to when those guests are looking down at the ground and you can see that you can see their faces from where you're standing, really does add a significant amount of suspense and value to execute it that way versus putting it back in an area of the park where you would not be able to see those types of things and you would not be able to interact with the ride like you are now. So for example, when you come into our Western area and cross the train tracks, you are gonna be right next to one of the ride's signature elements, which is the giant Emelman. So you'll be crossing, it'll be this huge Emelman right there to your left-hand side and a brand new path that takes you parallel with the ride where you can really see all the rides intimate details in person along when you take our train, our train ride is actually going to parallel the back half of the ride experience. So you can constantly become up close and personal with what this is, what this ride is doing and just being a part of it. You know, if you haven't already booked your flight or 
your trip to get out to San Antonio yet to go experience everything here at Six Flags Fiesta Texas. I mean, what are you waiting for here? <laughs> and not just the rides, there's also some incredible shows and performances and special events that you can check out as well, isn't there? Yes, the signature events that we host throughout the year continue to build in popularity and attendance, as you mentioned. Fright Fest, Hunt in the Park. In the springtime, we have Mardi Gras for our 30th anniversary. Next year, we're going to be adding some of our classic shows and creating a 30th anniversary event also in the spring. And then that will end just in time for early summer when Dr. Diabuckle's Cliffhanger will welcome the first guests and enjoy the real crazy over-the-top ride experience that we're about to unleash in 2022. Jeffrey, I cannot thank you enough for once again coming on the podcast for us. Always appreciate talking to you, whether it just be in person or even if it's separated here by Zoom. Uh, we really appreciate it and have appreciated everything you've done for the ACE community uh, over your long career in the attractions industry. Absolutely. My pleasure. Look forward to seeing everyone around the park. Yeah, like you said uh, before the interview, uh, I've known uh, Jeffrey since he was working at Kings Island, and uh, you know I've been following his career. It's so cool to follow somebody all the way up to park president. Uh, when you're a fan of the industry, uh, you're also a fan of uh, what you do. So, and then you probably do it pretty well. Then that certainly came across whenever you talk with Jeffrey. That's for sure. Awesome. Well, you know, uh, one more thing that we need to talk about before we wrap things up, and that is IAPA is just around the corner. Right. So for those of you who may not know, there is one major trade show every single year, and it's down in Orlando. It's the IAPA, International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions, Exposition. It's one of four that go around the entire world. This is the what they consider to be the big one because of just everybody seems to show up for it. Of course, this year could be a little bit different, given the circumstances. We haven't had an IAPA since 2019, actually. And, well, we're not sure exactly what to expect. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely going to be different. Uh, you know, I, I have to anticipate that uh, there's going to be vendors from uh, overseas that are not going to be able to uh, join us at IAPA. We're not in the same the same level that they would normally join us at. Like maybe I'm, I'm just going to use this as an example and I have, I have no insider information on this, but Zimperla usually does a big booth with rides and stuff. It may be more difficult to get those rides over from Italy or, um, uh, whatever country they're coming from, to uh, to set up their booth uh, because of all of the the shipping issues that are going on uh, with uh, containers and stuff uh, and getting product and stuff over here. So uh, I would have to imagine that those kind of things are going to put uh, a little dent in the IAPA fun. But uh, I got my tickets. Uh, we got our hotel room all situated. Actually, not a hotel room. We're staying in uh, townhomes next to the convention center. Ooh. And um, yeah, we're going fancy. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to going down there. I know a lot of our friends uh, friends in the industry are going down, so it's going to be really cool to go down and be able to, um, you know, uh, chat in person with uh, a lot of our friends in the industry. So for someone who maybe hasn't gone to this show before, maybe hasn't even heard about it, could you tell us a little bit as a, you know, not say a park owner, but as someone who has significant influence as to what a park will be purchasing Tell us a little bit about what your experience is at IAPA. What are sure. you doing and what are you looking for specifically? 
Well, you know, it, 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 I've gone as media for several years, uh, and then so that's basically as an enthusiast. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I go down as a buyer because uh, of uh, Funland of Fredericksburg and Fairfax. And, um, you know, it, it really is uh, every year we're going down there and looking at new things that are coming out. A lot of a lot of stuff is going to be game related because we have big arcades. Um, you know, I have a 130 piece arcade here in Fredericksburg. We have a 70 piece arcade in Fairfax. So we're always looking to replace older games with newer games. Um but we're also doing a lot of stuff that I find exciting uh, as I run uh, the facility, but other people would find extremely boring. And that is, oh, I need uh, new uh, play cards and I need uh, new wristbands and I need, uh, you know, point of sale systems and, and ways to, you know, make the guest experience better. Um, you know, those things uh, would, would bore a coaster enthusiast because it has nothing to do with uh, thrills. It has everything to do with uh, the guest experience. And so... Uh, we, we look at a lot of that kind of stuff, the new technology coming out. And, uh, you know, we, we're, we're building stuff as well. But most of the time when we're building like rides and attractions, uh, we're not doing that because we went to IAPA. Well, we may be, you know, again, networking with the people who are building said ride or attraction. Uh, we're not necessarily buying it from IAPA. Uh, last uh, attraction we bought from IAPA was Holligate, uh, which is a uh, virtual reality game. Uh, and that's really the last thing that we bought at IAPA. We, we try to stay away from, you know, bringing the checkbook down there and walking away with something. We want to do our research first and find out, uh, make sure everything uh, that we're purchasing is the, has the best chance at, at uh, you know, uh, helping us uh, uh, make the guest experience better. Almost can make it akin to you're going to a car lot, a brand new car lot, knowing that you want to buy something but you also don't want to buy it just there yet. You're just starting to do the research on it and you just want to take maybe a test drive, learn a little more information about it, and then go home and start doing some additional research on potential other things. So in a way, it's, it's kind of like that, only on a just a massive scale. Yeah, and it's, you know, everybody's going to have different ideas and, and different ways to run their park. And from an FEC standpoint, maybe this would translate into uh, big parks as well. But, you know, you never want to just walk in and buy something, an impulse buy, because you never know, like, you want to talk to the people who have purchased that before. You want to talk to them, see what what issues they had, uh, see how you would correct those issues. If there are issues that can be corrected, uh, if there's a different product that does the same thing but better. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that you want to talk about while you're at IAPA uh, to try to make, uh, you know, the purchase that you're making go farther. So um, I would also say, well, IAPA is a great place for fans to go. Ace has a booth down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's also a place where business is taking place. Uh, so uh, it, it sometimes can be difficult to, if you're a fan to go down there and uh, and try to schmooze and and uh, and hang out with people. You know, like let's say Rocky Mountain Construction because they may be a little busy selling roller coasters. <laughs> and well, conveniently this year they're actually right across the aisle from Ace the National Roller Coaster Museum and Amusement Today and Larson International. So wow. it's it's that's going to be some huge traffic for the Ace booth, which is wonderful. By all means, stop by the Ace booth, check out some of the cool things that they're going to have there. I hear there might be a little surprise in the booth this year. Just Ooh. saying. Don't want to tease you all. Is but, it going to be a, a Chris or a Clint? <laughs> uh, no, because I'm over at the Ride Entertainment booth. <laughs> oh, 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 well then. 
Well, I'm sure, uh, I think the last time we actually saw each other in person was IAPA 19, right? Right, so let's just change well, that and make sure that it's going to be IAPA 21. Well, you never know. I mean, what, what you know, uh, Funland of Fredericksburg might need something from Ride Entertainment, right? Uh, you know what? Uh, call me after this uh, podcast and we'll oh, go oh, ahead and take Oh, sorry. Yeah, see, you want to be all secretive. I just want everybody to know everything all the time. So Yeah, that's I, not I how it works on our end. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like that you brought up a very good point there, which is you're talking about business. Millions mm-hmm. of dollars in transactions are up for grabs at IAPA. And it's not a D23 event. Can you go up to a booth and, and check out some cool stuff? Absolutely. As a fan, you can certainly do that. But you're not the priority. Uh, the yeah. priority is any one client that's ready to sign a check for, you know, a couple hundred thousand or a couple million dollars for a brand new product. And the whole industry this year, it's still trying to recover from the pandemic. So every sale is going to help. There's a couple rules if you want to go. Uh, it's really easy. First one is you don't want to step in front of anybody else. So look, make sure the booth isn't busy and you can go up and talk to anybody then. But if they have to go because of something, don't take it as a slight. Take it as, hey, that means they're getting ready to try and sell something. That's awesome. There's a few other things that you want to check out from IAPA itself. It's not cheap to go to this either. So just be aware of that. But if you really want to network and understand how the industry works, as well as learn a little bit about it, because there's those great seminars, which I believe you were a part of last time. Yeah, I'm actually I'm, I'm in a seminar uh, this year with the... Uh, yeah, uh, coming up, I, I, I want to say Tuesday. I should really know these things, but uh, really I think it's should. Tuesday. Yeah. So check those out. Take the opportunity to, to really learn something new about the industry. And if you're looking for a career in the industry, boy, there is no better show to go to than this one. Uh, there, you can certainly bring uh, several copies of your resume, business cards, etc. Come dressed for the occasion and just be prepared to uh, do a lot of walking. Hope you have very comfortable <laughs> shoes. Well, and, and again, I think uh, I, I would have to guess that the show floor is going to be a tad bit smaller than it would normally be, because uh, usually they not only have the whole uh, uh, Orange County Convention Center Hall, but they also have huge tents set outside uh, as well in their parking lot. And I know that there was expansion plans on the Orange County Convention Center that haven't started yet, but we're supposed to be wrapping up this year. So, <laughs> you know, the whole COVID thing threw a wrench in that as well. So if you're in the Orlando area the week before Thanksgiving, by all means, come on out, check out the Ace booth, and just check out what IAPA has to offer. And who knows, you just might see Clint and I running around selling stuff or buying, or buying stuff, stuff, depending on how that goes. <laughs> Yeah I, yeah, I walk around the trade show floor selling propeller beanies uh, to amusement parks. You're a very rich man after that week, let me tell you. <laughs> well, I haven't had a park buy one yet, but for some reason I buy all their propeller beanies. <laughs> Quick, here comes that guy buying all, all right. the hats. Get him! Uh, put him out, put him out! All right, well, uh, I think that wraps up uh, another successful podcast, huh? Absolutely, and we cannot thank enough all of our friends that help out with the podcast. Thanks to Jeffrey Siebert for stopping by with us and chatting about all the cool things happening at his park. Clint, it's always a pleasure to see you and talk with you. I can't wait to see you next month down in Orlando. It's going to be a blast.